Welcome to the Grove Community Church Worship Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. Here's this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. Good things. That's the title of the sermon today, Good Things. I was tempted to to entitle it, Ask, Seek, and Knock, because it's from the same passage. But that's almost overdone, and that's really not the point, I think, of this passage that we're going to look at today. Good, good things. Now, when I say good things, each one of you probably define good things differently. For some of you, good things means family. Probably in here, most all of you, good things means family, right? For some of you, good things mean uh, uh, beans and rice, Right? Uh, with pork that is phenomenal that will make you want to slap your mama. Don't do it, Billy. Don't do it. For some of you, good things uh, means, um, I, I don't know, it means an afternoon on the boat or it means an afternoon fishing. For good things, some of you, it means a float in the pool. For some of you, good things means Netflix and just chilling with the family, right? Uh, I don't know what good things are to you. But here's what I know, your definition and my definition of good things pale in comparison to the good things as God defines them. There's a disconnect between oftentimes our desires and our good things and God's good things. And particularly as we shift through transition in life, as we go from high school to college age or high school to work or or as you go from college to the real world, <laughs> as, you go from, uh, as you go from job to job, or as you go from whatever, in these transitions, oftentimes we lose sight of what's really good and what's really guiding us and what's really important. And so today we're going to look at a passage as we continue to look at this idea of what does it really mean to pray? When we pray, what are we doing? What's actually going on here? What are we supposed to be about? And and what is the result of those prayers? And we've been kind of looking at Jesus' teachings on prayer. So last week we looked at the high priestly prayer that happens in John 17. We're coming back to the Sermon on the Mount and looking at a second passage where Jesus teaches about prayer. And it's not just about prayer, though. The interesting thing about this passage is it's about prayer. It's about our relationship with God, but it's also about our relationship with the world around us, how we see it and how we interact with it. So it is both vertical and horizontal in nature. It has implications for this relationship and implications for this relationship. And if you're a kid that grew up in the church, you know the song. Right? Is that, did I get the fountain right? That's not right. Is that right? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, the fountain flowing deep and wide. All right. Very good. So, so it, it's about both this deep and this wide relationship with God, this deep and this wide relationship with our world, but it's also about the vertical relationship with God and relationship with others. I find this passage fascinating for that reason. And it's all wrapped up in that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 7, uh, or you can follow on the screen. Now, let me stop here and say, because I didn't mention this, one of the things that you guys got was a student Bible, an ESV student study Bible. It is 
my favorite Bible ever. It was the Bible that I got when my life changed and I was about your age, when it clicked for me. And that student study Bible was the thing that really impacted me. And in the back of it, I wrote you a little note. Last page of the Bible, you can flip there. So anyway, you don't have to open it now. You can follow on the screen. Here's what the passage says. This is Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Verse 8. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, now this is cool because Jesus kind of pulls the philosophy, philosophy, he, he, I don't know what I was trying to say there. He pulls this, uh, this philosophical switch on us. He goes from, he goes from the down to earth kind of rabbi to I'm going to kind of get a little philosophical on you. Or which one of you, and I'm not going to tell you this is an argument from lesser to greater, but we're not going to discuss that. If his son asks for him or for bread, will give him a stone. Which one of you would do that? If your child came to you and said, I'm hungry, you would pelt him with a rock. Now, some of you might be tempted to do that, but you wouldn't do it. Or at least I hope you wouldn't. Now, this has nothing to do with siblings, because siblings probably would do that. But a parent isn't going to say, oh, my child is in desperate need of food, so I'm going to give them a rock to chew on. Or, if, if he, the, the child, asks for a fish, the parent will give him a serpent. Now, serpent here means snake. So there are fish in the Sea of Galilee that kind of look almost snake-like. So that's a fair comparison. So which one of you, if their child said, I'm hungry, give me some fish, you know, you're not going to give them a snake. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So let's... Rewind back to the first past part of this passage, and we're going to break it down today. So ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open for you. What's interesting is these are imperatives. They are commands. In the original Greek, they're imperatives, but they're also present imperatives. Now, it's going a little too far for us to interpret it this way, but it could mean continue asking, and it will continually be given to you. Continue seeking, and you will continually find. Now, that's not really the message here, but it kind of is. It's asking, seeking, knocking is something that we should be doing all of our life. It's not a one-time deal. And this is where I think North American Christianity is kind of short-sighted. We say, if you just... If you just pray the prayer, if you just get baptized, if you just do this, then you're okay. But that's not the passage that's not what scripture teaches us. That's certainly not what Jesus taught his disciples. It's a continuous relationship, right? And isn't that what asking, seeking, and knocking is all about? Now, what's interesting is, is he uses pretty obvious examples. I mean, we kind of over-evaluate or over-analyze these words. But he says, I mean, simply in life, generally, if you ask someone a question, they're going to answer Right? I mean, that's pretty much everybody. If you seek, you're going to find. And with Google now, oh my gosh, 
Am I wrong? How many of you watch Netflix with Google open? Really? Y'all don't watch shows because we do. Like, oh wait, what was that person in? I know they look familiar. Does anybody else do that? Okay, maybe not. I do. <laughs> I'm totally losing y'all on that. But we seek all the time. We seek for more information. When, when Morgan this past week was driving to Tupelo, um, uh, she had to seek for directions, right? And then she had to watch those. And if you've ever driven to Tupelo, oh my goodness, right? So she had to, I mean, it is just nothing but, it's just nothing, it's nothing but nothing all the way. And so, so, you know, you have to seek and you have to know which direction you're heading. We seek for answers all the time. We seek for direction all the time. It's almost hardwired into us. And then how many of you have gone up to a door and it's locked and you knocked? What happens generally? I mean, if someone's home and you walk up to their door, even if it's locked, you knock on it. What generally happens? They open it, right? If they know you, they certainly open it. I mean, it's just kind of a weird thing. But, but it's true. If you ask, generally in life, if you ask, it'll be given to you. If you seek, you're going to find something. If you knock, it will be open. Simplistic truth. But when you take it over to our spiritual life, it's so deep. The problem is, is oftentimes in our culture, we are so self-reliant and so independent that we forget to ask, to seek, and to knock with the greatest relationship that any of us could have. I've told this before, but we sponsored a long time ago a choir of, of boys from Africa, and they came through Mobile and other parts of the, of the Southeast. And, um, and so we helped sponsor them. And one of the leaders of that trip, I'll never forget, said, how do you guys believe in Jesus and in God when if you're hungry, you just go to Walmart? If you need shoes, you just go to the store." It is hard in our culture because we are so self-reliant, because we have so much freely at our disposal. We forget. We forget what it was like to live in his culture where you may not eat if the crop is bad. Where there might just be a shortage of leather for sandals. Right? So they lived in a time where there was a more dependence on God. But, but this, is a clear, this is a clear directive to us. That if we're going to experience life as God intended us to experience, that we need to learn to ask, to seek, to knock. And that's primarily in relationship with Him. But it's also in our interaction with the world. We need to, as Christians, be inquisitive. We need to, as Christians, be the ones seeking answers. That's how the church actually grew for so many years. The cutting edge of medical industry was always through the church at one point. That's why you have Baptist hospitals, Methodist hospitals, Catholic hospitals, because money was going there to help fund research. And to do, I mean, the church was the cutting edge at one point many years ago. They were also the cutting edge of education. Did you know that Princeton, Yale, and Harvard were all three Christian universities? They were founded on Christian principles. They were all about preparing 
at that point, really just men for ministry. That's all they did. And at some point, Christianity got so scared of seeking and asking that we've kind of withdrawn. I think Christians ought to be the forefront of every field out there. I think Christians ought to be the dynamic leaders in every industry. We ought to be the ones discovering. We ought to be the ones because we have built in us this inquisitiveness, this desire to find out truth and to share it with other people. And so it is both this continuous asking and seeking. It's trying to figure out, okay, God, what do you want? What are you going to provide for me? If you have lost that in your life, recapture it. If you've become so self-reliant that you've lost your need for Christ on a daily basis, try to recapture it. Even if it's as simple as, Lord, I know I'm paying for this meal today, or more likely, mom and dad are paying for this meal if you're a kid today, right? But thank you anyway, because I know ultimately without your provision, we wouldn't have it. It, it might be as simple as that, right? Or when you open up that report card, and you've done well, and you're going to go get your Krispy Kreme donuts, stop and thank God, right? Lord, thank you not only for Krispy Kreme donuts, but for giving me the mind to be able to perform well. Does this make sense? It's simple, I understand, and it seems almost simplistic, but it's not. It regrounds us, it reroots us into the soil of being dependent on the nutrients that God gives us through His provision. Through his life that flows through us. For everyone who asks will receive. And that's a promise. Everyone who seeks will find. That's a promise. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. That's a promise. Period. Where we get it wrong, however, is what I think is the most important point in all of this. Don't you know that the Father, verse 11, who is in heaven, will give you good things to those who ask him. Oftentimes, in that first part of this passage, as we think about our relationship with God and asking for his provision and staying connected and rooted and grounding in him, we're praying for things that we want. We're praying very selfish and egocentric prayers, right? Prayers that really are more about us than they are about God. But this is a promise, not that God just wants to answer your prayers, any prayers, because that's how some people take this, right? I mean, just turn, turn on a couple of television shows this afternoon with televangelists on it. And they're going to tell you, if you just ask God for a million dollars, he's going to give it to you. I've tried, it doesn't work. <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, though. There's this idea that if you, just, if you just believe strong enough, if you just say it loud enough, if you just keep hammering at home with God, he's going to give you whatever you want. That's not what it says. What's it say he's going to give you? Good gifts. In Luke, does anybody know what he replaces with good gifts? He doesn't say in this same passage when he's talking about the Lord's, I mean, the Sermon on the Mount, his version of the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke, do you know what it says he will give? Not good gifts, but someone said it. You don't want to say it? Okay. He says, that's okay. I, hey, I'm glad that you tried. He, it's the Holy Spirit. So Luke's version of this passage says the Holy Spirit 
Matthew's version of this passage says good gifts. The root gift is also the root word for spirit. So here's the deal. The answer that God wants to answer when you seek, when you knock, when you ask, when you pursue him, he wants to give you good gifts, but he gets to define what the good gifts are. And that's where we have a problem. Let me own it. That's where I have a problem. God, give me good gifts. Oh, good gifts looks like what? Nah, you can have it. Thanks. Anybody ever have a kid that opened up a gift and looked at it and was like, right? And you're like, ooh, that didn't go over well. <laughs> yeah, they're, you're like, and they're like, oh, thanks, underwear. <laughs> or underwear and socks, all right. Or if you're a fan of vines, avocado. Some of you know what that is, others of you don't. Yeah, the, the twins know. I knew they would be on it, right? So anyway, so, so it's like, all right, great, good gifts, all right, thanks, God. Some of us treat God's gifts like that, right? He, he wants to give us something, but we're like, ah, oh, thanks, but no thanks. I'm good. And so this passage is really a, a recalibration of our hearts. We're asking, we're seeking, we're, we're trying to discover truth and what God wants for us. But when we seek and we ask and we, and we pursue his truth, he's going to give us gifts. But they're great gifts, they're good gifts. They're good gifts as the good God defines them, but they might not always be what we want. And that's the rub. That's where it gets tough. And so are we willing, when God openly gives us a good gift, to say, wow, this is good, but I don't want to eat it. Some of your kids are like that with vegetables, aren't they? Oh, thanks. We're having broccoli tonight. But it's good. So sometimes, check that, oftentimes, God's answers to us asking, seeking, and knocking are things that we don't necessarily want. But the promise is they're good. So in prayer, prayer is as much about changing our hearts to match God's heart than it is about getting God to give us what we want. Does that make sense? And that's what Jesus is teaching us through this prayer. He's saying, ask, seek, not, pursue me. I am ready to pour out my blessings on you. I am ready to pour out my provision on you. I am ready to give you good things. And then you get that big box wrapped in God paper and you rip it open and you're like, oh, thanks. Is this really good? Matt, have you ever experienced that? <laughs> We've had conversations about this. And sometimes you're, you, have to, you have to laugh to keep from crying. Like, God, really? Thank you. Golly, this is horrible. This is impossible. Am I ever going to get through this? But God's gifts are always good. And we can rest in that. And I said this is not only about our interaction with God, but it's also as we interact with the world. 
And this is how this comes into play. If we are actively pursuing truth in the world, and if we're actively pursuing goodness in the world, and if we're actively seeking to be Christ to the world, there is going to be pushback, and there's going to be people that we disagree with, right? But we can still enter into it with goodness. Just as the Father gives good gifts, we can be people of kindness and goodness to the world as we encounter them, even if the world pushes back and says no. In other words, let God mold us through prayer to give us his heart so that as we interact with the world, we want to give the world the good gifts that God has given us so that his love, his truth, his grace flows through us to others. If we, who are evil in all of humanity, is evil, if we, who are evil, know how to give bread and fish to our children, if we know how to provide for their needs when they need them, if we know how to do things like that, how much more is God, the God who created you, who knitted you together in your womb, who has designed your life and has a plan for you, Abby, Will, Luke, Bennett, Alyssa, God has something for you. And what he has for you is far greater than anything you could ever dream. This is a perfect passage for this Senior Sunday. Listen to me. You're going to get into whatever group, whatever education, whatever, whatever you're into, job. And there's going to be people that try to steer you. And the world's going to call you and try to mold you. Say no. Let the thing that shapes you and molds you be God and his heart in you, molding you to himself, becoming more like him. Because he, his good gifts, his good plan for you is so much better than what any professor or any job or anything else could ever offer you. Do you hear me? His plan for you is far greater. And that's true for all of us, if we're willing to accept it. So Jesus is saying, in essence, ask, seek, knock, but only if you're strong enough. Only if you're strong enough to receive my gift as good. Only if you're strong enough to allow him to mold you into who he wants you to be. Only if you're willing to surrender your decisions to him. Good gifts. Good things. That's what he has in store for us if we will only accept it. If we will only seek it. And if you choose to seek it, you will be a good gift to the world. I hope this message was meaningful and powerful to you, but I also hope that it was challenging. And as always, don't just hear it, put it into action. Until next week, have a great one.